Heavenly Father, we count it such an honor to be sitting at the table of the Lord. That song, of course, has been taken from the story of David, a great king who heard about his friend Jonathan's son. His maid had taken care of him, had fallen with him and made him crippled. And David heard that there was an heir of Jonathan left, so he brings this crippled young man to dine at the king's table. Our mother fell with us, left us all crippled and afflicted. But one day the master called and said, come and eat with me. Come and sit with me, dine with me. Be my guest for the rest of your life. We're so glad we accepted that invitation. We've come once again, Father, that we could feed at your table. As it's customary for us to do whenever we eat at home or go to a restaurant and we will bow our heads and Thank you for the food that we're about to receive. Well, that's what we're doing now. We're bowing our heads and thanking you for the spiritual food that we're going to receive today. You know our needs, that they are many, but we know that our God is so powerful and so wonderful. I pray you'd come and take charge of the service, Lord. Help me to get out of the way. Help the people as well to be able to get out of the way as John, Brother John has already prayed. For we know it takes them pulling as well to receive. Help us today, Jesus. We open our hearts to your word. Speak to us, Father, as only you can do, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We are truly blessed, aren't we, to be able to be children of God, feast at the table of the King. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 2, verse 5 today. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And certainly love you and appreciate you. Thank God for his mercy to us. I'd like to speak to you again today on the right to perfect love. The right to perfect love. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. Whoso keepeth his word And him, verily, is the love of God perfected. Now, it's not just everybody that says they believe it. Even those that would maybe scream and holler amen and all of that. But the way John phrases it, he says, whoso keepeth. That is, take it as your own. Guard it. Watch over it. And keep it as a sacred trust. Whoso keepeth his word, in him, verily, is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we, no, not guess, but know we that we are in him. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another... God dwelleth in us, and his love is 
perfected in us. His love is perfected in us. Verse 16, we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love. I know I've shared this meaning of this word, but let's look at it again if you don't mind today. Abide, remain, continue to remain, not to depart. To continue to be present, not to become another or different. So he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. Now, I realize this is totally impossible for any of us today to ever be able to attain to perfect love. It's something beyond what we can reach. None of us are born with the human capacity to be able to love in a perfect way. Most of our world, most of our life is filled with imperfect things. You have a flawed pastor, flawed deacons, flawed musicians. I preach to flawed sheep. Your wife is flawed. Your husband is flawed. Your children are flawed. Our leaders, our government, it's flawed. Every man of God that ever stood on the earth was flawed. There was only one that ever lived here that was perfect. And he gave his perfect life that he might bring us to this. Aren't you glad? But still when we look at it, to think that we are called to be able to love in a way that only God could love. And I know that most of us probably struggle in some avenues of our life when it would come to love. We know that there are gifts and thank God for gifts of the Spirit and thank God for talents and anointing and all of that, and we know we must have that. The Lord Jesus put that in his body. But one day, there will be no more preaching. There'll be no preaching in heaven. There'll be no speaking in tongues or interpretation, uh, somebody trying to find the word of the Lord for somebody. There won't be any of that. But what will there be in heaven? We will come back to this perfect love. It will never die. You see, the Antichrist can be able to reproduce and mimic any gift that God has, but the devil cannot love. It's not in him. It's just not capable of loving. And yet God demands of us as his people that we have a perfect love. Now, we've done looked at the meaning of this word to know that perfect is teleos, which means complete, mature, or grown up. It's not talking about flawless but it's talking about a mature love, a divine love. That's what it is. Now, if you could understand it in this way, when the Lord came to the earth, that he came as the very fountain of love, and he come to make us that were unlovable, he come to make us lovable. So in the state that we were in, we were not very lovable. And we all can be honest, I'm sure, and say that there's certain people that we have an easier time loving. 
Is there anybody that'll be honest and shake your head at least and say, yeah, that, that's right. There are certain people that I can love easier than others, and yet your real love is not proven by loving those people. Actually, the greatest test of your true love is loving those that aren't as lovable. Now, what makes it very difficult is sometimes we might have family members that aren't as lovable as other people are. And some family members will be more lovable than others. Some preachers are more lovable than others. Some people are more lovable. I'm talking about the human element now. But the love of God has the capability of loving those that are unlovable. Let me share a few of these things with you this morning. God is a lover. God is love and God so loved the world that when we were unlovable, that he gave his son to make them lovable. So God so loved the world. Now, whenever the Bible tells us that, and it was Jesus, of course, speaking it, then he was speaking it from the first person, knowing that the world wasn't lovable. And the truth of it is, the majority of the world still isn't lovable today. They're so wrapped up in their self and their sin and what they want to do, and God cannot love sin. God can love the sinner, is that right? But God cannot love sin. And God does not love our sin either as Christians. God does not love sin. But he does love the sinner. And he has the ability to separate that. Sometimes we struggle with that. So if people do things that we don't like and they're not lovable, maybe in avenues of their life, we tend to cast them in the same tub, as it were, of their sin and say, well, I just don't like them and I don't love them. Well, we need to be more like God to where that we can be able to separate them from what they're doing. And eventually, of course, the love of God becomes mature in our lives and it'll produce a group of people over the face of the earth and they'll be rapture ready. I notice the prophet goes on to say, here it is, God wants to come down and make love to you. He's seeking, thirsting, hungering, trying to get to some of your starchy hearts to make love to you as a love affair, not a law, but a love. It's all love, God so love. The Lord don't want us to serve him out of fear. What man that's married here in this building today would want his wife to constantly have to be told, tell me that you love me, tell me that you love me. What woman here would want her husband or what, which of you parents would constantly want to have to ask your children, children, do you love me? Do you care for me, children? What pastor would want that? What sheep would want that from their pastor? They want to hear it from me. You want to hear it from me, right? That I love you. I want to hear it from you, that you love me. My wife wants to hear it from me. I want to hear it from her. God wants to hear it from us. God doesn't want the song leader to have to get up or the preacher and pull and beg and, and do everything just to get a little praise out of us or a little bit of worship. There's something wrong with us when that has to be done. It ought to be automatic that we love him so much that we're looking for an opportunity to be able to praise him and raise our hands and, and adore him. Why? Because it's a love affair. That's what he wants. And I've found that many people have fallen in love with the message. And many of them actually fell in love with Brother Branham. 
But I'll tell you, I'm wondering how many of them fell in love with the Lord Jesus. They really get excited about talking about doctrines and the message, and they get so excited talking about this and that and the other. I've seen them get very excited talking about their certain favorite preacher. But then you go to mention the Lord Jesus, and they just kind of sit there and look at you, you know. The Lord Jesus, so who's he? He just so happens to be the creator of all this. I think he ought to still excite us, don't you? Because he took us when we were unlovable and transformed us and made us to where that we were lovable. Then after he did that, he could not have a love relationship with us until we were transformed and made lovable. Now that we are made lovable, he wants to have this spiritual relationship with us to where that he comes down, not just twice a week, three times a week when we're in church, but every day of our life. When you're driving down the road, when you're taking your kids to school, when you're coming back from school, if you're at the grocery store, he wants to have a love relationship with you so much that he can bring tears to your eyes and he can bring a song to your heart and just something about you to where that you have that, that ultimate time with you and the Lord Jesus. Now he said to make love to you as a love affair, not a law but the love. Again, in the law having the shadow, he says, it's the spirit of Jesus Christ that makes me love the unlovable. Now watch how Brother Branham describes about himself before this love came in him. It makes me do things that I thought I never would do. It makes me do things that I thought I never would do. Now, you know what? If it hasn't affected you the same way, you need more of it today. Now, how many wants a revival? How many wants a revival in your heart and our church? And, you know, we wish if we could say so in, the, in the, our nation. We know that'll never be. But I believe that we can have a revival as an individual and also as our church, whether or not our whole nation does. The nation's finished as far as that. But listen how he describes one of the greatest hindrances that keeps us from revival. One of the greatest hindrance in the church today keeps a revival back is the lack of that godly love that Christ expressed when he was here on the earth. Now sure we could all pray more and we might could assemble more often and there's many things that we could do, but why in the world would he choose love? Because what is a revival? A revival is not adding more members to our church. A revival is just not how much we can jump and shout, and surely we will do that. But a revival is cleaning the trash out of us, getting closer to God. Is that right? And, and falling more in love with him. And this is the thing I've found in my walk with the Lord, that I cannot fall in love with him more without falling in love with these people more. And wanting to be of greater service I've lived the majority of my life serving God's people. Started preaching when I was an 18-year-old boy. And I have no regrets. Oh, Brother Donna, you gave your teens, you gave your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, the majority of my 60s to the service of God. Do you regret it? Only thing I regret is I wish I'd have done a better job. And I wish I had more life. You feel the same way? So I've found, though, that whenever I fall more in love with him, that somehow it intensifies the love that I have for his people. And I want to do what I can to help them. 
Even if they're not bright, if I can help them just make life a little bit easier for a foolish virgin, because the Lord Jesus don't just love the bride, he loves the foolish virgin too. He actually loves the lost and it's not his will that any should perish. So to me, the more we fall in love with him, the more we fall in love with the human race itself. Is that right? Now, what's what he says here, one of the greatest hindrances of the church today that keeps a revival back is the lack of that godly love that Christ expressed when he was on the earth. It's easy for you and I to love somebody that loves us. But Jesus didn't have that kind of love. So the way we love, Jesus didn't have that kind of love. Because our best friends and our best buddies and all of that are those naturally that agree with us. Now, you don't have to say amen for the next few minutes if you don't want to. It might help me a little bit if you did. But we all can relate so much better to those that we really like and our our best friends and our best pals and all. That's the ones we just want to spend so much time with and tend to avoid the others that aren't as lovable. But listen to what he said. Jesus didn't have that kind of love. He had God's love. And God loved his enemies. For God so loved the world. When the world was unlovable, God still loved the world. Now, if we're not careful, we find that same way. In among our our religious ranks that we tend to agree with folks and love them more that even doctrinally agree with us closer. And that will be the ones that we tend to love the most. But is that really the kind of love that Jesus had? In reality, there was no one in his stay upon the earth the years that he was here even understood his doctrine, even the apostles. They were so far away from him doctrinally, they couldn't even understand the common simple terms. I'm sure glad he didn't stop loving them because they didn't agree with him doctrinally. Now I understand that we tend to gravitate more toward those that believe like we do, but is that real love when we do it that way? Now see, I read him like to preach and amen myself too this morning. Now once again, he says, if you can just love those that love you, why the sinners do the same thing, but we're different. When Christ has come into our heart, we love those, those who do not love us. How many can say you do that with all your heart? How many can say you want to do that with all your heart? Amen. Me too. Now, when Christ has come into our heart, we love those who do not love us. Love the unlovable. And we, listen, we were, listen, the unlovable one time too. And you know, Christ loved us until we came to him. Now, whenever it would come then to say doctrines in in between churches and doctrines and things in the message. And doctrine, we must have a doctrine to be a church. Churches that don't have doctrines don't even meet the requirement of being a church. But how do we treat people then whenever we would find out, say, this church and this brother and that sister, they don't exactly agree with us doctrinally. How are we going to treat them? Are we going to treat them less favorably? Are we going to love them as much as we did before we found out they disagree with us in doctrine? 
Or are we gonna love them in spite of that? And if we have more understanding than they do, we're gonna pray for them that God will help them to see what we see. Now, you know, this one thing I love about the message of the hour, that it's not just quotes, but our prophet showed us how to live this message as well. And really the message don't do us a whole lot of good if it's all up here and it don't come down here and help us to live a life that is like Jesus Christ, right? The devil is not scared of the, of the, the word as long as it lays in the written format in the Bible. It's been laying there for years and years and years. You could take your Bible, lay it on that organ, lay it on that Leslie, lay it on this pulpit, lay it on that handrail, come back a thousand years from today. That handrail will not be changed one bit. Neither will this, neither will the piano. But if we could ever get that word off of them pages into our hearts and let it quicken our hearts, it will change us day after day after day. Now let me give you just a little bit of an example here this morning of how the prophet, that whenever he come, now he knew that he was a restoration prophet and he knew that he was pointing the people back to the original apostolic message. So the mindset of the way the message is going to be brought is going to affect future generations of how they perceive the message. So it's important to him that he not only brings the doctrine and the restoration of the original apostolic teaching but that he also shows us how do we deal with issues whenever we would have problems, say, in our church. Or how would we deal with issues when we have them in our home? Or how would we deal with them whenever we would have a difference of opinion among preachers? Now, if you've got at least two preachers, I can almost guarantee you, you're gonna have two opinions about just about anything you're gonna talk about because every one of us have a different opinion. And it's why we need an absolute. And our absolute cannot just be, you know what I believe and I think and I feel, there must be something more than that. And God gave us his word. Then God sent his messengers, of course, and they would come and reflect that absolute light of the hour and it would give us a direction in the way that we need to go. And everybody said, now remember we're talking about the right to perfect love. I don't love, I don't wanna love the way everybody else out here loves. I do not want to love the way the majority of Christians love. I want to love in the avenue of completion, maturity, fullness. So if I go by the way of the grave and my heart is beating its last beats and my breath is fixing to leave my body, that I will know I am ready to meet the Lord Jesus. I don't want to preach to you and wind up being lost myself. I don't want to be able to quote the scripture and quote the message and wind up standing before God and him say to me, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never even knew you. Now, I'm not going to be able to achieve that just by having signs and wonders and miracles. And I've told you before, I've had them all of my ministry. I started seeing miracles in my ministry when I was a teenage preacher boy. And they've continued to be there all of my life. But I also know the Antichrist can produce the same signs we can. But that same prophet that I just quoted that to you said, but the Antichrist cannot love. So casting out devils, this, that, the other, sure, that that can be done. But we want more than that. Is that right? 
Now watch this, Brother Branham and his church, and there were several cycles in the church of the Branham Tabernacle, how that they went through in the gifts, moving in the church there. And in the early 50s, they had it to where that they would gather in a room and they would meet and then they would write down tongues, interpretation, and prophecy, and all that, and they'd write it out, lay it on the platform, and then someone would read it. And then it comes through another cycle in the church of the Branham Tabernacle that Brother Branham had them up on the floor and allowed them to be on the floor. And then he said, told Brother Neville, he said, now, just let it go for a while. We can't judge it. Let it go for a while. So they did. And then whenever they set the cycle that it was to be in the way that he felt like it should be in church order 1226-63, then whenever he did, some of the people pulled away from Brother Branham's church and they left his church and they went to Junior Jackson's church. J.T. Parnell, Don Ruddle, and some of those other brothers that were there. Now, I wonder the attitude that we would have had as Word of Life Church, if we would have been a sister church in that day and we would have heard about what happened, that Brother Branham did this and this is the way he felt like that it should be done. And then some of those people pulled away and left and they went to some of the other churches. I wonder what our attitude would have been. Well, let me read to you what some of the attitude of the people in Branham Tabernacle, how they were thinking about some of these other people and the names that they were calling them. Now watch this question, answer 64. Now also here I might bring this out, I don't think my brother's here tonight, but somebody made fun of somebody leaving the tabernacle and went down to Brother Junior Jackson's for church. And they said they went down amongst the dead birds. Aren't you ashamed to make a remark like that? Now, wait a minute. God's prophet set that church in order the way he felt like it should be done. And these people pulled away from that. And so these people there were in defense of it. And they said, they're dead birds. They don't believe what Brother Adam taught. They're dead birds. Boy, if some of y'all know that's going this way this morning, you'd prayed more, wouldn't you, before you come to church? <laughs> now, once you notice how Brother Branham reacts to this, this reaction is very important. If he reacts the wrong way, he will influence thousands of preachers around the world. He will affect thousands of lay people around the world for decades. Watch his reaction. Aren't you ashamed to make a remark like that? Ever who you are, if you're my kid here in Christ, I'm ashamed of you. Wow. Now, doctrinally, they were right. But in their spirit and in their attitude, they were wrong. Now, the people, in my view, that left and pulled away, they were in error. But you cannot correct an error in doctrine by having an error in attitude. So in order to correct error, you've not only got to have the truth, 
You've got to also have the right attitude. Now see what was missing with these people? They had the truth and they could have said, didn't you hear God's prophet say? He told us if there's any question here, let this tape be played. And this is the bishop or the overseer, he said. And if there's any question, let him come back to this tape. They had the quotes and they had the word concerning because he said he was doing it exactly the way that Paul did it in the first church. Now, it's been amazing here that the message is in this stage in 1964 and already doctrines and, and difference of opinions in the message churches are starting to raise up and there's a little bit of separation. Now, watch, watch. So instead of Brother Branham joining on the bandwagon, a bandwagon of blasting Junior Jackson and those that left, it would seem as if though he actually took sides with them and spanked his own youngins. Wow, I mean, he just flat wears them out. Why? He picks up something about this attitude which is not Christ-like. You see what I'm saying, friend? We, we want to be right doctrinally, do we not? How many wants to be right doctrine? Sure, we want to be right doctrinally when it comes to election, predestination, all these wonderful things of God. But I also want to be right if someone would disagree with me or you or with our church to where that we would be able to have not only the quotes of the message, but the spirit the messenger had. Now, let me just be honest with you. It's easier for you to have one of his books or one of his tapes than it is for you to have the same Holy Ghost to him. Oh, it's much easier to pick up a book. Oh, I believe every word of it. Hallelujah, I believe every word of it. Well, do you believe this word right here I just read to you this morning? Now, you see, God is dealing with this man and he's laying the foundation. He's only got about a year and a half left on the earth and it's so important that not only do we have the doctrines of the message, but we have the spirit of the message. And Paul told Timothy, he said, there is none other in the gospel that is as like-minded with me as you are. And that word like-minded is of the same soul, of the same soul. So Timothy not only said what Paul said, but he looked at at Paul to see how, how did he deal with confrontation? How did he deal with when people would differ with him? What kind of spirit did the man have? And then Paul would give him, what a compliment. Now there were all kinds of other preachers in that first century and yet Paul said about Timothy, there's not a one of them that has the same soul that I have like you do. So to me, you look at that and you think it must have been more than just quoting the doctrines and quoting the passages of scripture, but there was something more about it. He didn't say it was of the same doctrine, but of the same soul. What is the soul? Nature of the spirit. So in him, he saw something about Paul and he would see maybe after he was beaten and after he was treated terribly. And even the church, the church at Galatia at one time received him as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Then they began to listen to some false teachers and they turned away from Paul, the very man that led them to Christ. 
And no doubt he watched him. How does he deal with that opposition? How how does he deal with people when they turn him down? Won't have a thing to do with him. So what does he do? Does he just keep the same attitude? Bless God, if you want to do me that way, go on to hell. You old serpent seed anyhow. Or does he keep on reaching out to them and loving them and really expressing Christ in another format? I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. The great move right now, the main thing is signs, wonders, and you know, all of that. But myself, I desire to express the Lord Jesus and maybe attributes that aren't as loved as other people. I want to be able to love like Jesus loved. I want to be able to forgive like Jesus forgave. I want to be able to love my enemies and pray for them. I want to be able to even love my friends and they don't seem to love me very much. And I want to be able to not hold a grudge against anybody in my heart. Come on, somebody preach with me this morning. I don't want to think of a sinner or anyone else in this world that I want them to be lost. And if you think that way about somebody, you need to hit this altar whenever I make an altar call today. I want to be able to be so much like him. Not only will I cast out devils, and by his grace I do. Not only do I lay hands on cross eyes and them straighten out, by his grace I have and will continue to do so. And cancers be healed and so on and so on. If that's all I do, then people in Matthew 24, 24 can do the same thing. But I wanna forgive like Jesus. I wanna love like Jesus. I wanna have so much mercy and compassion. I ain't talking about compromising with sin. I'm talking about being able to experience a love which cannot be impersonated by the devil. Now watch Brother Branham, he has the opportunity now, if he wishes. He's already mentioned Junior Jackson's name, Don Ruddle, J.T. Parnell. All it takes is a couple of words, Brother Branham. Ruin them. Ruin them. Now's your opportunity, ruin them. But notice the way he handles it. Ever who you are, if you're my kid in Christ, I'm ashamed of you. Do a thing like that. Junior Jackson is my brother. Don Ruddle is my brother. Well, the reason of it, he said, because I set the church here in a certain order and come back to see if I could get the manifestation of the gifts, half of them pulled away from it. Because when you start to speak or preach or something, it was getting to such a place you could hardly preach lest there was somebody spoke in tongues, somebody interpreting, somebody giving the interpretation, and half of it, never even come to pass. Half of it never even come to pass. But now as a pastor, he let it go until he felt like it could be judged. He said they were kids. Now it's come time to be judged in December of 63. Now whenever he did, it upset some of them. Now he said, I believe in speaking in tongues and I believe in interpretation. But it must be something directly to the church. 
or something which is, he said, the Lord is coming soon, which is all right. Don't use vain reputation. Jesus said so as the heathens do. It must be something. Go tell brother so-and-so a certain thing he done to get this right. Why, go tell brother sister so-and-so you done a certain thing down there the other day. You transgressed the law of your husband, the vow to your husband. Unless she makes that right, the Holy Spirit will cut her off. There you've got, thus saith the Lord. Then bring that sin in. That's when you've got a church like Ananias and Sapphira. That's the gifts I want at our church. I'm not looking for a repeat of what I saw in Pentecost. How many of you all saw them types of gift in Pentecost? Now I ask any of you that have raised your hands, do you want to repeat? No? Why? Because it wasn't right, was it? Hit, miss, hit, miss, the Lord's coming, I say the Lord's coming, I'm here, what is it? Repeating scripture, which God's prophet said, that's not what it is. So whenever the prophet said it in order, then look what they done. Now he said, then whenever we got a church like that, Ananias and Sapphira will return, and remember it will come back, we know that. He says, then we got a church that stands solid. I believe the tongues and people that's got them gifts, if they're real genuine Christians and interested in it, they'll meet themselves together because give the tongues an interpretation, see what they can do to further the kingdom of God. They've got a ministry on their own, but it don't belong here in the middle of the audience. Where the sinners are being dealt with and so forth. But of course, some of those other people didn't believe that. They didn't go along with it. So whenever Brother Randall said it in order, they said, I'm leaving. He ain't preaching what I believe. Can you imagine anybody walking away from the prophet of God's church? I can, really, because they walk away from his teaching in our church or whoever else church it is because it's his body, don't make no difference. Either you believe what he said or you don't believe what he said. It's just the bottom line. But now notice now his reaction. And he said, they say you're unlearned and sometimes they got so irreverent with it. Not our gang. <laughs> what a word to call them. Now our gang hadn't, but I let him go ahead for a while. And I said, watch it. Now, I told the brethren, there's witnesses here that know this. I said, let it alone. And we'll find out whether it's God or not. If it cannot stand chastisement, then it's a bastard child. Exactly what the Bible said. So when the chastisement come, what happened? Now, I want you to notice now the way that he's dealing with this. He's not compromising and say, well, you know, really, I, I probably shouldn't have said that. Uh, I, I didn't know I was going to make people mad, and I, I, I really shouldn't have said that. And I'm so sorry, so I'm going to retract what I said. So all of those of, of you that left us, y'all just come back, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I apologize. No, you're talking about Elijah. I said, you're talking about Elijah. So he's still standing firm on what he believes. But Harry has a different attitude. You see, there's such a delicate balance in us being able to stand firm, unmovable, absolutely unmovable, and not being mean about it, and not being harsh, and not being grouchy and hateful. Oh, my Lord, praise God. 
you, you told me you wanted love, do we or not? Well, see, here is love on display in a way when people are totally disagreeing with you. Mama. Now watch, he said, did not I tell, that, tell you that long ago? He's, he's speaking to Brother, Brother Neville. Asked the pastor here, he said, what about this and that? I said, let it alone. They're babies. We can't judge it. But watch when it really comes to pin it down to the word. Now, Brother Junior Jackson had a right to disagree with that. I have a right to disagree with it too, but I forfeit my right. Because I trust him more than I trust myself. And to be honest, I trust him more than I trust any of you. Praise the Lord. Now notice his attitude, see, through the whole thing. Now remember, he can ruin these guys. If he would have said a few words that would have seemed to Colonel Carlson in a negative way, who would have had any confidence in him? Oh my. Junior Jackson had a right to disagree with that. He wants his church. The people all want to speak with tongues and things in the audience. That's Brother Junior's. Oh. Not Brother Junior's blessings. Not Brother Junior's great manifestations from God. Notice he's not compromising now what he believes. He's identifying what this will do. It will bring troubles, troubles, and more troubles. But if that's what Brother Junior Jackson wants, he said, then people speaking in tongues and things in the audience, that Brother Junior Jackson's troubles, that's up to him. But now, how many of us could say this next line? Let's say what he said. Junior Jackson believes this message the same as any of the rest of us does. Now, why did some of y'all just pull your toes up in your shoe like that whenever I read that? Don't you see? We need help. Because what do we want to do? Cut people off. Bless God, they don't believe what the prophet of God said. It's just plain and simple. I'm not going to the rapture. And when did God give you the glasses to go to looking down in people's soul and tell who's bride and who ain't? Praise the Lord. Now, I wonder what some of you have done if you've been going to the Branham Tabernacle during these several span of years that Brother Branham was allowing these babies to operate their gifts. One mistake after another after another. What if you'd have went to Brother Brandon and said, Brother Brandon, when are you going to set them people down? When are you going to set this thing down? When are you going to do this, that, and other? And he, when Brother Neville even come to him asking, of course, for advice and counsel, what did the prophet tell him? Leave it alone. They're babies. Oh, my goodness. So what if when you started talking as a child, and you and your mama said, shut that up until you can speak eloquent English. 
don't open your mouth again. So we had to learn, didn't we? I don't know about you, I'm still learning to speak good English myself. But we spit and we slobbered and you know, mom and daddy's vying over which one are you gonna say first, mama or daddy, of course. And then it'll be, you know, papa or nunu or whatever it is. Oh, he said mine first, said mine first, hallelujah. So the prophet gave them that time. So if you would have been in the message and you would have been going to that church and you would have said, Lord, have mercy. This is what they've done at the Pentecostal church I come out of. I can't believe Brother Brandon was letting this go on. I'm leaving, I'm out of here. Love. 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 But when you go preach on something else, when we get this, when we get this, let's, let's get this, and then we can move on into the gifts. Perfect love, the prophet said, will produce perfect gifts. Maybe we should preach that first. Maybe we should get that baptism of love first. Then we'll really know what gifts are supposed to do. They're not to gratify us. They're for edification of the body. Now watch as he goes on and he said, Junior Jackson believes this message the same as in the rest of us as it's not a dead bird to go there. Junior Jackson is a man of God that I love with all of my heart. But Brother Adam, he didn't, he didn't set his church up the way you do yours. Isn't it amazing that Brother Bram didn't say up till about a few months ago? And then after a few months ago, I'm sorry I cannot love him with all of our heart, but he still loved him with all of his heart. And what's amazing is it goes on for another year and a half or so. He's still there in the meetings. He's still part of the move of the, of the message of the hour. Brother Branham is still referring to him, still talking about him. He don't shun him. He don't slide him. Why? Our messenger had what he preached. I think it's time that we, as his followers, supposedly get what we've been talking about for decades. More of the love of God in our hearts. What good's it gonna do for us to talk about the rapture? What good's it gonna do for us to sing songs about it and sing about going to heaven and miss the very avenue of divine love that'll put us in there? Can I have a few more minutes of your time? Notice this, he refers to it in perfect love and he also calls it divine love. Now he said what the church is lacking is divine love. I don't mean affectionate love for one another. I mean the agape love, the godly love and have it so richly in your heart until you just love the Lord and what's the connection and everything and you take his word for it and you don't mistrust him. You see, it's always proved evident that I've seen it through the years. Whenever people don't have the right trust for God and whenever things will happen to them that they don't understand and they go to questioning God's wisdom and God's choice and this and that. And I've always noticed that, <laughs> excuse me, there tends to be a lack of love because love produces more trust. The more you love him, the more you can trust him. 
But if you don't love him right, then when he does something that you do not understand, then you will, how, how come you do that? Why did you do that? I don't understand why you do that. But if you love him and love him and love him, and even if he breaks your heart, you trust him because you love him. Now he said, we love thee with unchangeable love. 25 years ago, you placed that divine love in my heart for the Lord Jesus and it grows sweeter every day. I'm so happy. Notice now how he relates this about love. That we grow in the Lord till we become in the full stature, the measure or the stature of Christ. Did we get it all once we got the Holy Ghost? We did not. I don't know about you, I'm still growing today in knowledge and understanding, hopefully in wisdom and all of that, but I don't wanna stop growing in love. I wanna be able to grow in love more and more and more if going beyond the curtain of time changed the prophet's life forever. And he said, everything that you ever preached, this is what it was, the Holy Ghost, this is love. And thus saith the Lord, lay aside everything until you get divine love, perfect love. And the church said, you say, I love him. Come on down. But can you trust him when the doctor shakes his head? Can you trust him when everything has gone wrong? You need an overflowing baptism of love, divine love. But isn't it amazing though, when we think about baptism, we think about more emotional, ecstatic joy and all that. Oh, I, I, I think probably the majority of our people sitting here today need another baptism of love. And what you'll find is you'll find yourself falling in love with your wife and your husband and your kids, maybe even your pastor too. Maybe even the deacons, maybe even somebody that crosses you a little bit or your boss on the job tomorrow. And you walk in there after that baptism of love and you think, man, that guy's so grouchy, but you'll walk in there feeling different toward him in your heart. And then you realize it wasn't just him that needed help, it was actually you. Oh my, everybody hang with me now. We're heading for some turbulence. If I had every gift in the Bible and could exchange it for love, I'd never wink an eye. I'd take it right now. Now remember, it's not doing away with gifts. But it's showing us the value. Prophet Paul said that whenever people speak in tongues, that's a wonderful thing. But he said, actually, it's greater if they prophesy. So even among the gifts, there are some that are greater than others. And this is actually greater than any of them. I find it so amazing, though, in our days, especially in the ranks of the message, that the gifts that are being so emphasized, there's really only three Tongues, interpretation, prophecy. So when the prophet is talking about gifts and the quotes, does that include the other six? Don't raise your hand, but I wonder how many of you could name all nine today. I wonder how many of our preachers could name all nine. Or did they just focus on three? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I must have said something wrong. Makes you wonder, don't it? So you see, God has an order, a way. 
What if he could fill every individual here in our church with such love of God? And we wonder, well, what's God waiting on? What's God waiting on? Oh, we're looking for a great hour. We're looking for the missing limbs to be restored. We're looking for Ananias and Sapphira. Wonder, well, what's God waiting on? And if we're not careful, we're going to get in the big tizzy and we're going to try to work up something with the music or work up something with this or that and we're going to run right ahead of the whole program of God with an armload of substitutes. Because we didn't get love first. I'm talking about just the degree of love we have now. I'm talking about divine love with such a degree someone could take a gun out and stick it to your head and you would pray for them. They could lie on you on Facebook. They could run you down. And instead of your flesh picking up your keyboard, "Uh uh-huh, I'll get you back. I'll tell this, I'll tell that. You get down on your knees and pray, God, forgive them. You talking about having some gifts. Praise the Lord. Notice now he goes on to say, Let me feel the blessings of the Lord Jesus and his divine love in my heart that's shed abroad by the Holy Ghost and I'll exchange any gift in the Bible for that. Wow. Oh, you say, I've spoken tongues. I don't have nothing to do with it. I've shouted. Still don't have nothing to do with it. Paul said I could speak in tongues like men and angels and still be lost. I could have faith to move mountains, still be lost. That ain't it. If the divine love of God isn't in your heart to take everything of the world out, you're lost. And the devil is only deceiving you. That's just one of the things that I saw whenever I was in Pentecost as a Pentecostal preacher. The people could speak in tongues and prophesy. I remember Brother Branham's introduction the first time he saw the gifts in operation in Mishawaka, Indiana. And there was two main men. And he said, boy, if I can get around them. I was just a hunger, and he said, to be around them. And one of them would speak in tongues, and the other an interpreter. He said, everything that I knew, it just testified to the spirit that I had. And he said, I got around them, and he said, pulled over into that little gear. He said, them gifts and calling of God were that repentance. And he said, that one man was a genuine Christian. That other one was married to what was it, a black-headed woman and had a, had a child by a blonde-headed woman. Both of them are the same spirit of God. And that's what we want back. Let's get so full of his love that not a day goes by that we don't pray for the lost, for our family. There's probably not a person sitting here tonight that don't have a friend, a family that's lost. Do we call their name every day? We've got children, we've got grandchildren without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and we're more concerned about Facebook, we're more concerned about this and that and the other than we are lost friends. We're in the end time. I know you've heard this for years and years. We're at the end time. At any moment, our Lord Jesus could come. And if he come, where would your children be? Lost. 
Where were some of our message kids sitting in church and some of them, you know, oh, they come to church and they sing and do this and that and they don't have the Holy Ghost. You don't go without it, young people. It's not enough to say, well, I'm the use of a word of life. I'm the use of evening light. You've got to be a Holy Ghost filled Christian. But my mama's a good person. That's not what will put you in. You've got to have the token. Oh my. Again, he said, where there's tongues, they shall cease. Where there's prophecies, they'll fail. The Antichrist can produce any sign that's in the Bible. But he cannot love. There's nothing about him to love. Agapeo love is divine love, and when divine love is in your heart, there's a difference in your life, and everybody knows it. That's right. You live like a Christian, act like a Christian, walk like a Christian. Your whole system, I love this quote, your whole system is timed to God's Bible. Your whole system is timed. And of course, that includes the gifts. That includes healing. That includes miracles. That also includes turn the other cheek. That also includes pray for them that despitefully use you. That always includes us stopping gossiping, tail-bearing. Well, preach it, Brother Donnie. Oh, my Let me close. After this morning, the Holy Spirit so beautifully coming down and bathing us. Listen, what a statement. The Holy Spirit so beautifully coming down and bathing us in his great beauty. So we were unlovable and he made us lovable. And we were ugly and marred and all of that. And in church, in his presence, he comes down and bathes us in his beauty. So we take on his love, we take on his nature and our old ugliness, our old rough ways and whatever more. He bathes us in beauty and calms us and and, and does away with our carnality and all of that. And whenever we leave and we walk out, we're washed and bathed in the beauty of his holiness. So tell me, sisters, how much would you pay for a gallon of water that can make you beautiful. Some of you that feel like you're ugly. Some of you men that's as ugly as I am. God bless you, brothers. I hate to say it, but you are. (laughs) What would we pay for a quart of water? Guaranteed that you wash your face in it and you're transformed. You've got this Grecian profile. You've got these dazzling eyes. Forget it. And yet we can be bathed in the beauty of his holiness. And we ain't even got time to stay around after the preacher's done. My goodness, some of y'all can't even sit still five minutes after I say, let's stand. You're gone. Where y'all going in such a hurry? That's when we want to worship. 
He said, now it's time to be bathed down in the presence of God and worship. Now listen to what he says. After they were bathed in this beauty of God's righteousness, I was just inspired to speak them words and say, some glorious day, all the gifts that's in the church will be set aside on the mantle as it was. The Holy Spirit himself will just take the church in such control of divine love. Now, I want you to notice now, once the Holy Spirit does that, it ain't that there ain't no more healing and there ain't no more miracles and there ain't no more supernatural. Listen, what is gonna happen? The Holy Spirit will just take the church in such a control of divine love until the sick will be healed, the blind will see, the lame will walk without hands being laid on them. It'll just be one great unity. Miracles ain't gonna stop the more love we get. Signs ain't gonna stop the more love we get. But it'll transfer from man getting the glory to God getting all the glory. After all, ain't that what we want? I don't deserve no glory. No other preacher deserves glory. He's the one that deserves it. Understand. Let me read this, and as you stand to your feet, oh, if the Pentecostal church would only satisfy thirst in God instead of trying to follow some evangelist or some emotion or some little ism or little sensation, how much better off they'd be? You'd follow the Holy Spirit in divine love instead of sensations and little gifts and things like that. How much better off you'd be. God don't want you to run after gifts. God wants you to thirst after him. Well, you know what? Get the giver. You get all of his gifts in the package. And if you're a real believer, you want them. I mentioned to you the other night, I think it maybe to the youth. I've been around so-called gifts most of my life. I'm not sure how many I've ever seen really that were really real. A few. I've heard a few manifestations and it would line up, but it would be hit, miss, hit, miss. Right, Bud Jim? Right, some of you that saw it? Why would I ever want to go back to that? So when Carol and I was in a tent meeting one night, and a preacher calls her out and tells her, Sister, you're called to preach. I agree with him because she had two people in her congregation, Lish and Erica. Sometimes I didn't either want them to listen, but she preached anyhow. Yeah. Can you imagine a preacher standing up, supposedly under the Holy Ghost, telling a woman she's called to preach? That's contrary to God's word. But you see, when you have nothing to judge it by, 
nothing to measure it up. It's just free course. Then in comes one demon after another, after another. I would love it if the Spirit of God would fall among us with genuine gifts. And somebody come in here and sit down and their life wasn't right with God. I'm going to say it this way. After the gifts were matured, tongues, interpreters, and so on would meet in a room provided and they would write down on a letter or a note. Give it to Brother Louie or to me and I'd come out and say, the gifted people met prior to service. Thus saith the Lord. Tell brother so-and-so, he did this against his wife. If he don't make it right within three days, he'll die. I guarantee you one thing, if that moved in among us, we'd be a better church. Come on, somebody. People are scared to death to get around a man that they think's got discernment. That shows me there's something wrong with their life. Don't you understand when Brother Branham said discernment absolutely wore him out. He said, but God has given me some help at the tabernacle. You know what that help was? Tongues and interpretation. That's what he said. I'm not adding that. That's what he said. Tongues and interpretation. Why? Because tongues and interpretation rightly done is prophecy. You imagine God giving Brother Branham this help. What was it? It was the Spirit of God discerning. It wasn't, I'm the Lord, I'm here, and I'm here to help, and I'm here to bless, and I'm here to do this. That's not what it was. It was, you need to fix this in your life. You need to take care of this. I saw you day before yesterday on your face crying and praying before God. And you said this and this and this. And God's going to answer your petition. If it don't come to pass, it's false. Wow, I guarantee you one thing. When we started coming to church, y'all might not stand up there and talk as much for church. You might be in here, oh, Jesus, if there's anything in my life, take it out, Lord. Lord, forgive me for what I said. Oh, God, forgive me. Man, you talking about having some meetings. Woo, we'd have some meetings around here, wouldn't we? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I stand before you today knowing that I will give an account of this sermon one day. So I don't want to approach you, Lord, as the shepherd of the sheep first, as the leader of the flock. I want to approach you first as an individual, me standing before you alone by myself first in prayer. And I tell you today, sir, I need more. I want more. I must have more of your love. Help me, Jesus. Help me to love more like you. Help me to forgive. I read it to him a few weeks ago where the Roman historians and those of Cappadocia and the different ones 
took note of it and wrote it in their historical writings. They were not even Christians, but it was over and over again how they talked about the Christians and how they loved. And one of them says, their master tells them they are brothers. And of course, they believed him. And I found it so amazing when I was studying on that from a historical standpoint that the historians wasn't writing about them just casting out devils and healing the sick and and raising the dead. They heard about that. But it wasn't that so much that made the historical record as it was how they loved one another and how they loved you. And they loved you so much they were willing to go to the Colosseum. Sisters would have their their bellies ripped open and their babies jerked out and his little brains dashed against a stone wall because they loved you. Brothers would give their lives, sisters would give their lives for you and your cause because of love. Help us, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father God, I'm asking you now, not just for me, but for these people. I know we have some visitors here in our gates today, but I pray, Lord, that you'd help each of us and those that will stream the service and archive it later. May we search our hearts. Lord God, I know that it's beyond me. I, I, I can't love this way. I just have to be honest with you. I can't do it. And I'll be honest for them. They can't either. We can only love this way if you baptize us in such a baptism of love. Then, Lord, if we can get that kind of love and that will be our foundation, then if you choose to let gifts come among us, then they won't have to worry about no selfishness involved in them gifts. If they would just read 1 Corinthians 13, the way Paul's setting it in order about tongues, interpretation, prophecy, the whole thing, if they would read it with the right mindset, even chapter 11 and 12 leading up to 13, they would realize he's trying to strike down the selfishness that is in the Corinthian church. So they were measuring everybody's experience by their own. Well, you got to speak in tongues because I did. You got to shout because I did. You got to do this. Paul said, does all speak in tongues? Do all prophesy? So they're taking their spiritual gifts and using it as an element of arrogance and measuring other people in their own church by them. You don't scream the way I do. You don't shout the way I do. So you're not as close to God as I am. Paul was trying to help them to see spiritual gifts are for the edification of the body. That's why I told a person that would speak in tongues, if there's no interpreter, they are to keep silent in the church because speaking in tongues is edifying themselves. But it just so happens they're not the only one in church today. This is the whole picture. Oh, Jesus, may you circle the globe, Father, with a refilling of the Holy Ghost. Dear God, I I really get concerned about where we are. 
I know sometimes sheep don't know it and they don't understand it, but our message has been on the brink of civil war many times. And we're on the brink of another. Help us, Jesus. Help every preacher, Lord, not to use their influence to incite a war against their own brothers. Your prophet could have started a civil war right there in Indiana, but instead he took the higher road. I thank you for this question answers, Lord. I thank you for a man of God before us that we can follow his example. Praise God. Make me more like you, Jesus. How many here today would just raise your hands and say, Lord, I want to be more like you. Would you be honest and say, I need more love. I need more of love for the Lord Jesus. Love for my brothers and sisters. More tolerance for their mistakes. More tolerance for people that I may think don't exactly go along with what Brother Branham said. Come on, somebody. What will it make us do? It'll make us pray for them. Instead of judging them, nobody pointed us as the judge anyway. It'll make us pray for them and try to reach out to them and maybe understand what caused them to lean that way. Praise God. Would you do me a favor? Now, of course, there's so many of you here today. There's no way I can go amongst you. But would you take your hand and just let over on the brother or sister standing by you? Now, we're not going to pray for gifts. Now, I'm not against that. Paul told us to earnestly desire the best gifts. But he said rather to prophesy. But the prophet told us don't seek gifts. You can understand when you take this terminology, it's for selfish means. Seeking it like you would wealth. Seeking it like you would position. We would just simply open ourselves. He said the gift of prophecy might fall up on a person today and never fall on them again. Speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues may fall on a person and it may never hit them in their life. But if you can get divine love, it'll be yours forever. Don't you see what divine love is, friends? It's a little bit of foretaste of what we're fixing to enter into in heaven. There won't be nobody speaking in tongues in heaven, interpreting all that. Those gifts are given to us in time for correction. But perfect love is the world we will live in forever. Lord Jesus, as we have our hands laid upon another, Lord, I remember reading in the Bible where the apostles were filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. And then after they went through a great trial and a great hardship, the Bible says they were gathered together again and the Spirit of God came again and filled them. So they had already been baptized in the Holy Ghost and they're so sealed, but they needed another refilling apparently, Lord. And it wasn't that long after the initial one. Lord God, I need one today, Jesus. Lord God, would your spirit be able to come among us today, Father? I'm not asking you for gifts. and If you want me to have any of that, go ahead. That's, that's fine. 
but my desire. Baptize me in love, Lord. Lord Jesus, may I be dipped, immersed today in a baptism of love that when I come up out of there, I will love like I have never loved before. Oh, Father, it's not this Laodicean stuff I'm talking about of compromising and this and that. I'm talking about holding a standard. We see an example today of our prophet, how he stood his ground and said what he felt like was right, but he also showed us how to treat people that do not agree with what we stand for. Oh, we can stand and we're going to by your help, but maybe we've not always had the right attitude toward those who didn't agree with us, Lord. Baptize me today, Jesus. Immerse me into your love, immerse me. Oh, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus, baptize every one of these musicians Baptize every one of our deacons, our trustees, our song leaders, every man, woman, boy or girl, our laity, our youth, our youth leaders, every one of us, Lord God. Baptize us into such a baptism of love that we will leave this place today and saying, by the grace of God, I am changed. I am changed. I've been a Christian for 50 years or whatever more in my life, but may each of us be able to say, by the grace of God, I am changed. Hallelujah, I am changed. Oh, Jesus, we were unlovable and you loved us. Now, if you are living in us, help us to love the unlovable. Help us to love the drunk, the liar, the prostitute, Maybe the brother, the sister that has trespassed against us. Help us, Lord, to forgive even as you forgave. To love even as you loved, Lord God. Oh, Father, fill us with that type of love. Then if you so desire, let these spiritual gifts fall among us. But Lord, let it be on the basis and the foundation of divine love. If not, it will cause one trouble after another. But if we can get baptized in the real baptism of the Holy Ghost, it won't be about my tongues or my prophecy or my visions or my this or my that. It'll be about the church of the living God. It won't be about if somebody claps longer for them than they did for me. It won't be, well, I don't get to sing as much as they do. It's not about us as an individual. It's about the body of Jesus Christ. We worship you today. We love you, Father. Oh, may the Holy Ghost, I pray, fill every fiber of my being, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, how could I ever forget that day? Lord, when you come down to my uncle's little church there and the Spirit of God so touched me, yes, that was a portion of your Spirit. How could I ever forget it, Lord? I remember it as long as I'm in my right mind. But oh, Jesus, may something happen to me today even greater than that, Lord. May such a baptism of love engulf our souls that we will find our hearts, our souls, so in love with you that we can't live without talking to you every day. We can't live without being a part of your word, that when the church doors is open, we can't wait to get to the house of God because we're so in love. And Lord, may we be so in 
love with you that we don't wait till Wednesday night to praise you, but we praise you on Monday, we praise you on Tuesday, we praise you when it's raining, we praise you when it's snowing, we praise you when we're up, we praise you when we're down because we fell in love with you, Lord. Oh, grant it, Lord Jesus. Grant it, Lord Jesus, I pray, Father. May the Spirit of God fill every soul here today, Lord. Fill every soul with your presence, Father. In the name of Jesus, grant it, I pray, oh God. Grant it, I pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Grant it, Lord God. Fill us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just worship him now a little, can we? Let's just love him and worship him and praise him. Now just pull yourself, as it were, off to him. Jesus is wanting to make love to you. He's wanting to pull you up next to him, and he's wanting you to respond. Brother Branham was down at Brother Charlie Cox's there in 1956, and this quote I read to you today about making love to you, this is after he was there. Brother Charlie told me about us standing out in his driveway several years ago, and there was two turtle doves sitting up on the power line. And then little turtle doves were sitting there taking their necks and going around one another. And they was cooing and cooing and back and forth. Brother Branham took that and used it as a parable and explained to Brother Charlie and all the brothers. And he said, that's the way God is. God's wanting us to sit on that line with him. He'll take his head and lean over to us and we'll coo back. Oh, is that what you want today? He don't want to be a law. You're scared to death. Oh, I gotta go to church. I'm going to hell. No, he wants you to come. Oh, I can't wait to get to the house of God. I'm gonna sing. I'm gonna clap my hands. I'm gonna praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's took his neck over and leaned it over toward us today. You want to take yours and lean back? Praise the Lord. Oh, Jesus. You cooed to us your love. You cooed to us a little correction. But we're believers. We're open to correction. We're not bastards. We're sons and daughters. You can correct us, Lord, because we're children. We want to be corrected. We want to be like you more than anything in the world. Now, Father, we want to make love to you back. We want to coo to you, and what we're going to coo is, amen, amen. You said you loved us, and we say, amen. You said we were wrong, and we say, thank you, amen. So we're cooing back, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We adore you, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, we bless your name, Father. Sing something for us, Harry. Let's just, let's just take a few minutes before we go. You probably got lunch plans, all this, that, and other. Hey, you know, you ain't got to promise none of us do that we'll walk outside them doors. Let's just take a few minutes in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. Think about where we're seated. We're seated at the table with the king. Remember that little Shulamite when she came into the court of Solomon? Remember when he sent that palaquin down there for her? The B-I-E-R, the buyer. It was made of gold and silver and purple. 
and blue, the divine and heavenly colors. He sent his guards down there to get her to fetch her home. You imagine she leaves that little country village where she's born and raised, and she's heading up to a palace. She don't know the ways of a queen. She don't know the royal court. She don't know how to curtsy, as we'd say. She don't know how they talk. But she's on her journey. Praise God. That's where we are today. He's polishing up our etiquette. He's polishing up our royal manners so we'll know how to act in the heavenly city. Praise be to God. He's teaching us how to love. Glory to God. So at the white throne judgment, when we are set there to be judges, we will know how to judge properly. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. You imagine what a journey it was as she goes back. She heads back on the palaquin. Now it takes several days for her to get back, and they have to stop at night. And Solomon sends his personal bodyguard to watch over her. Every one of them had their swords drawn. They are there to protect her. You imagine at night she'd say, what's he like? How do I do this and how do I do that? I don't know. I'm a country girl. I don't know. But she's on her way. Right outside the city the day of the arrival, they get fires, they get incense, they get musicians. It was unbecoming for Solomon to go all the way back to her house. So Solomon left his palace and met her midway. So he walks out across the gate, glory to God, of the drawbridge, and he comes down to where she is and meets her between his home and her home. They've got incense, they've got fire, prayers, and sacrifice. The music is playing. The guards stand there and they present Miss Shulamite. We looked at it years ago, Shulamite is the feminist form of Solomon. So Mr. Peace marries Miss Peace. Mr. Jesus Christ married Miss Jesus Christ. He takes her by the hand, you imagine nervously. She slips her hand in his and they start walking up. Her heart is racing. She ain't no city girl. And here comes all them people. They're screaming. They're hollowing. The Eastern and Middle Eastern people. Even the message sisters do that today in Africa and different parts of the world. When they're worshiping. Here they come. Hallelujah. She's constantly needing his assurance. You okay? I don't know, I don't know. You're doing fine. Just hold to me. But I've never been in a throne room before. I've never been in a palace before. I don't. You'll be fine. You were born by this purpose. You were born to be my wife. 
He said, Brother Donnie, I can't do what you preached today. You were born and ordained before the foundation of the world to love like God.
Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. The more I find you, the more I find you, Father, the more I love you. I wanna see. Your feet drink from this cup in your hand, lay back against you, my love. Feel your heart This love is so deep, it's more than I can understand. I rest in your peace, it's overwhelming. The more I find you, the more I find you, the more I love you. I wanna sit at your feet, drink from. I rest in your peace, you're 
Say, stay. 
falling in love with Jesus falling in love with Jesus falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever ever done falling in love with Jesus falling in love with Jesus falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever ever done in his arms I feel protected in his arms never disconnected no in his arms I feel there's no place I'd rather, rather be Falling in love with Jesus Falling in love with Jesus Falling in love was the best thing I've ever, ever done, yes. In His arms I feel protected, in His arms never disconnected, no. I'd rather, rather be, yes, in His arms I feel protected, in His arms never disconnected, no, in His arms I feel protected. I'd rather, rather be falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus. The best thing I've ever, ever done. Oh, falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love 
like the rain saturate my thirsty soul come and fall afresh on me fill my cup again heal my heart and make me whole I need This is not just a service to go outside and forget about. This is what's going to mature us. Mature us. Hallelujah. Like the wheat ripening in the sun. It's what we need, that love. Grant it to us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, your word never fails, Lord Jesus, to amaze, Lord. How perfect you are, Lord Jesus. You know right where we're at, Lord. You know how close your coming is, Lord. Oh, Father God, you're making your bride aware, Father. You're getting us prepared, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, we've heard it for years that you're coming soon, Lord. But we see the word maturing us. Oh, Father God, how we thank you for it, Lord. How we're anticipating your coming, Lord. How we thank you, Lord Jesus, you're making us ready, Lord. Oh, Father God, we don't want this just to tickle our ears, Lord. Oh, but Father God, we want it to drop down into our hearts, Lord. We want it, Lord Jesus, to push out of our lives, Lord Jesus. May your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, make that love, Lord Jesus. May it produce in our lives, Lord Jesus. How we love you for, Lord. We, we want to love one another right, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father God, we want to have the gifts right, Lord Jesus. And we learned today that we can't have any of that without this love, Lord.
Oh, Father God, grant it to us, Lord. And we know, Father God, as the deep calls to the deep. Oh, if there's a desire in our hearts to have more of this love, there's more of this love for us to have, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father God, help us to be willing and obey, obedient and, 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 and willing vessels, Lord Jesus, that you would fill us up with this love, Father. Oh, Father God, we don't want to just hear it. We want to manifest it, Father. Oh, Father God, that's our true desire, Lord. We, we thank you, Father. Oh, we worship you for your word, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your word, Lord. I pray that you would just be with the people, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father God, we are the church, so we can't leave church, Lord. Oh, Father God, we are that church. Oh, Father, we're seeing it manifested in our lives, Lord. I pray that as we go from the building, Lord Jesus, that the church would just live on, Lord Jesus, in our lives. May it be manifested in our lives, Lord. We love you. We thank you for it, Lord. Oh, Father, help us to apply this word in your life, Lord. In our lives, Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. How we thank you for it. Amen. You know that, Brother Harry, you know that old song, Such Love, Such Wondrous Love. Can we sing that song? I know I like the old songs, but that's the kind of love I want. Such love, such wondrous love that God hath given a sinner such as I. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, you got to help me. I'm trying to sing that God should love a sinner such as I Should yearn to change my sorrow into bliss No rest till He had planned to bring me high How wonderful is love like this Such love, such wonder such love, such wondrous love that God should love a sinner such as I. How wonderful is love like this? Christ should join so freely.
How wonderful. 